Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast, a show for accountants using technology to make their jobs more strategic and impactful. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. Our special guest for this bonus episode is Heather Smith. She's a chartered accountant, business, and technology writer, author of eight books, including the popular Zero for Dummies. Her educational YouTube channel has over 800,000 views, and her Cloud Stories podcast is one of the top five accounting podcasts worldwide. I personally have followed Heather for many years, ever since I began my journey as a cloud accountant. So it's wonderful to have you on the podcast, Heather. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for that uh, wonderful introduction, uh, Blake. And hello, David. And uh, thank you very much to both of you for having me on the show. Uh, it's it's a pleasure. And I should uh, state for our listeners who don't know who Heather Smith is, shame on you. Uh, you are down um, in Australia. Uh, and where exactly? I am based here in Brisbane, Australia. So uh, for listeners, I'm about one hour north from um, Steve Irwin's zoo. I'm, no, I'm one hour south from Steve Irwin's zoo. Got it. Uh, Heather, we were just talking before we started recording and um, I actually didn't know this, which is, uh, I can't believe it, but um, you know, unlike a lot of folks who are out there talking about cloud accounting, you you don't have a background in public accounting. You actually started in management accounting. Is that right? Yeah, I absolutely did. I started in management accounting. Uh, when I graduated from my um, degree, uh, the next day um, I flew out on a plane to the UK and uh, I started a job in the UK working for Kraft General Foods, which was um, which is a Philip Morris company, so a big American company based in the UK in Cheltenham. And I worked as a, a business analyst and management accountant on their private label brands, which private label, I'm not sure, do you use that term? It's the uh, home brand label. Um, so every single every single product that they sold but um, labelled for different shops. And uh, yeah, yeah, we have, we have that, yeah. Yeah, yes. Well, I, I'm sure you, did, you would have it, but I'm not sure what terminology you would use. We call it private label. I'm not sure what we call it, but uh, definitely, definitely have that, yeah. And um, I would have to do forecasts um, and analysis um, every single month on every single product. Um, so, yes, it started really strongly in the management accounting. And that's uh, primarily uh, where I have uh, stayed as a management accountant um, and uh, travelled a lot. I spent three years living in uh, Toronto. Um, I spent three years living in Singapore and then came back to Brisbane, still very much focused on uh, management accounting. And how did you make the transition then from doing that to becoming a, a trainer, a speaker, a advisor? Interestingly enough, I was uh, a training. I was actually, um, the, the day I almost arrived back in Australia, I met up with some friends and one of them said, look, why don't you go and take over my job at the university, which was um, an accounting tutor at the local university. So I then uh, started up tutoring accounting at um, both the local universities, which was probably a bit naughty of me to do it at both of them. Um, <laughs> and then I... Uh, it's called entrepreneurial, right? <laughs> and then I... Uh, spent about three years and I was just doing accounting training from lots of different training organisations all over the place. But then I was sitting there and I was um, training people sort of beyond accounting um, into small business and I was sitting there going, 
why am I training these people in small business? Why am I teaching them how to write business plans and financial plans? Why aren't I doing this myself? I should start my own small business. And I'd come back um, and, and I, I'd come from sort of originally working for a sort of a Philip Morris-sized company and couldn't possibly comprehend um, starting up my own business. But eventually, and it's probably about an 18-month process, I, I, I launched into my own business, setting myself up just as myself. And I've pretty much remained as a, a, a solopreneur for this whole time. Um, and the first thing I did was I made up a calendar, um, which went all the business days on it. And I, I worked out my availability and my non-availability. And I sent that out to all the organizations who I thought could possibly use my help. And they would then, and, and I would send that out at the beginning of the month. Um, this is before we, you know, had a lot of the technology we do. Um, sent it out at the beginning of the month and they would fill in when they would like me to come in. And I would go in on those days and do training for them. So um, it, it initially it worked really well um, and being a trainer you get a really deep understanding of um, the different problems people are having and you're able to bounce around from uh, one aspect to another um, and that I, I, I really I really loved and I would uh, grab everything I, I read every single training book that was available. So here in Australia, initially I was primarily training MYOB and it was such a big achievement to be able to, to, to train that efficiently. Um, and But any book that comes out, I read the details, Excel, all of the Excel training books, um, all of the Xero or the QuickBooks, just read, read them so I could actually deliver them efficiently. Um, and then with that, what I have done on from that is I've uh, gone on and developed the YouTube channel and uh, try and train um, people on a mass scale. So it's interesting because that blurb that you read out, 800,000, it's just about to hit a million views on the YouTube channel. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. <laughs> Do books, author of books, you've trained your trainer you're a podcaster, you're a YouTube star. And then I think I saw like one of your flyers, you still, you do like meetups and like face-to-face uh, -face events. Yeah, well, I do. Yeah. Um, there's this uh, facility called www.meetup.com and it's a really easy facility to actually coordinate a group of people to meet in a particular area. Um, and uh, it does a lot of the reminding, the grouping, um, and the interface and the setup for you. So I, I, I say that so if anyone else is thinking of doing it, to use that um, as a, a, a as something to leverage you doing it yourself. Now, initially what I did was I went through one of um, the professional associations and I facilitated their meetups for about three or four years. But then I decided... I need to understand more about the cloud app solutions and I'm going to conferences, but I'm not getting enough detail from them. I need to really deep dive into them and I want to be open to asking them lots of questions um, and, and having access to them. So um, we have a, a, a co-working technology hub here in Australia called uh, River City Labs and this was founded by a gentleman um, by the name of Steve Baxter, who's one of our Australian sharks. We have four sharks in Australia, like I believe you have in the US. So it's a, and, and this was actually before he was even a shark. This was, was when he was actually just a, this amazing business person. And he founded that. And they said to me, um, I went along, I said, you need mentors. And they're like, why, why do we need you? And I said, because I'm female and you have no female mentors. And they're like, 
okay. <laughs> and so I started as their female mentor there. And I then um, I sort of tried to work out how I could uh, contribute to that organisation while doing what I was interested in. And I eventually hit on I would run a monthly cloud accountants and advisor meetup. And I've now done that for five years, which is amazing. Um, and I consider it to be a community event in that I, I, I welcome everyone to come along to it. Um, River City Labs very kindly give me the space for free. And um, I invite anyone who's coming to the area who's got something of interest to the community um, to come in and to speak to the community, but be prepared to answer the detailed question. It's not a sales presentation whatsoever. Uh, most accountants and bookkeepers don't want to be sold to. They want to know the detail. They want to know how it connects with the solution. And they want to know... Um, uh, they want to know what they need to know to get their client onboarded with it and whether it's going to be a smooth transition or whether there's things that they need to consider. Um, so, yeah, so that's been going. I now have about 520 members of that group and I very much encourage people to uh, participate the way they want to participate. And what is great about having those meetings is that it's open invitation. Um, I pretty much run it for free and you get pizza and you get alcohol. Don't don't ask me how I manage to do these things. But um, small businesses will come along, accountants will come along, bookkeepers will come along, developers will come along, other people from the ecosystem will come along. And so you end up with this Q&A session that is a really 360-degree vantage of the solution and you've got the small business owner asking one question while the accountant saying well I need it to do this and I need the information to come out like this the bookkeeper um, is wanting the detail and wanting the information to come out like this and the small business owner is saying I want the interface to look like this and it's really interesting for us to connect and see the flow of the cloud app solution and, and how it is important to everyone there. Um, and I also find, um, as with these things, um, it's a really great networking opportunity because people can see um, see who uh, knows about these solutions and who they can work with. Um, so that has also been interesting. I primarily work from my home office uh, here in Brisbane um, with my, my dog Charlie at my feet. And, and by having this cloud uh, meetup, it's my excuse to get out of the house once a month um, and see people in real life. So many months will go by and I just won't, I'll go out and see social people, but I won't go out and see accountants. It's my opportunity to go and see accountants once a month. I guess this seems to be a feature of the cloud, right? Or, or SaaS in general now is that there is a lot more interaction going on between the users of these applications and the developers. And there's a lot of feedback. Yes. And it's yes. really fun to be a part of that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and and that is one of the reasons it's, it's, it's exciting to get on board with a solution in its early days to give it that feedback. Um, and I think it's really important for accountants and bookkeepers to remember they love supporting small business. They Well, they love numbers probably first. They then love supporting small business. And a lot of these cloud app solutions are actually small businesses. And we need to recognize them as being small businesses and we need to talk and communicate with them and help um, sort of consider it, it a partnership to go along on the journey with them. Um, and so two things there. First of all, I find that these cloud apps, if you can give them the case study for why you need a feature, they will recognize that. And if they have the capacity, we'll build that in. But the second thing I'd also like to say, I think it's really um, 
damaging to publicly vent on social media if something's not working for you, if you mm-hmm. haven't gone through the appropriate channels because, A, that's a small business and you're really hurting a small business and you could be influencing a lot of people not to buy from them. But um, the other thing that actually looks bad on you if, if, if you're venting publicly that way, um, it's like, well, what if... I encourage you to use another solution or what if I encourage you to go uh, and help my client with this and that's the way you publicly treat them. So that's something, one of my sort of pet peeves, but I really um, do enjoy partnering up with these cloud app solutions and I know one, there's one in New Zealand called Pocket Rent and uh, who does rental properties, um, helps you do those rental properties and uh, they built in a feature overnight like honestly, in 24 hours when I requested it um, because the client wanted it. Oh, that's awesome. Isn't that? It was just like, I was like, wow. But um, I find that the the people who are really close to their product will um, – uh, will want to know the case study. That, that's 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 been my learning. Um, is they want to know the case study. So um, Jared Armstrong from um, Minute, founder of Minute Doc, he was he's been repeatedly asking me. Someone someone asked for something, and he's been saying, "Okay, what does she want? Why does she need it?" How is she going to use it? Um, and so they're going to go and look back at their solution and see if there's a way they inco- can, can incorporate that. Because sometimes it's a matter of the, the client or the end user will come along and say, I want it to do this. But it does do that. It's just going to do it in a different way, which is completely fine. But if you understand it's not doing that, can we build that in? Um, can we add that as a feature that we can then promote to people? Because uh, uh that they they want features. They don't know what everyone needs out there. Um, as 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 do we. We don't know what everyone wants out there or how they're going to use it. Yeah, I think that's a good lesson maybe for like listeners here. Just go to Facebook and start some rant, <laughs> and then forty other people in that Facebook group pile on this rant. Like whatever it is, right? Like it could be uh, you know, it's, it's QuickBooks this week. It's it's um, you know, T sheets next week. It's it's some other. But there's always somebody complaining about something about an app. But yeah, it's not very. Um, it doesn't help anybody. No. Right. It just stirs up negativity versus like, hey, you know, give them real suggestion, give them the use case, give them why you need this to work or why your client needs this work to work. And they will listen and they will implement. Um, I know uh, what you, you gave that example of that app that fixed something the next morning. I know I was at Clio's law firm conference two years ago and they were as they got feedback from their uh, their lawyers, their customers at the conference. They actually took the um, feedback and they had their engineers sitting in the office back in Vancouver, fixing these items. So then the next day at the conference on the main stage to say, hey, just to let you know, three of you were complaining about this. We fixed it. And, you know, standing ovations. Wow. So, yeah, I think it's a, it actually will happen. Developers in these apps will fix things for you, but you kind of have to serve it a different way. Like just these gripe, because you see these on Facebook, these gripes. So I think that if everybody follows Heather's policy, you know, the world will be better. <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's it's recognizing that we're in a community and we're in this together and we're all trying to help each other. One hundred percent. So Heather, given your I guess you're like an OG cloud accountant. An OG. Right? What does that mean? Yeah. You're an original. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking uh, you mean orange girl or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 not that. Yeah, although yes. there's that too. Yes. Um, <clears throat> no, you, so you're 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 an original. You've you've been doing it 
like pretty much since the beginning. Yeah, I was doing it since the beginning and I um, actually did remote desktop prior to that. Um, so I was actually connecting and had worked out how to do remote desktop connections. And, and honestly, the reason for that is, um, if, if you're interested in knowing, um, is I, I'm a mum, I had school-age kids, I could work between nine and three. So I could potentially work five-ish hours. And if I was spending an hour of that or two hours of that travelling, I was reducing my fee. Um, but uh. what I could earn. And uh, I then focused on high-end fix-ups to increase my hourly rate. So it was a matter, as a mum, um, and, and accounting is a wonderful career for a mum because it's very flexible. Um, as a mum, I had five hours to work and I wanted to maximise the amount of money I could return. So it's just sort of basic accounting in why I adopted a remote um, desktop and then um, jumped on the cloud. Um, and uh, very, very much um, probably someone that you know, Wayne Schmidt, he kind of gave me the call and he's like, Heather, you need to know about this. And uh, I actually met him at a cafe at our local shops and he explained it all to me. Given your expertise and, and given how you've seen this massive change that's happened over the last decade, where do you think cloud accounting is headed in the next 10 years? Cloud accounting in the next 10 years... I think we're going to, um, I think it won't be a question of if it will be, we'll all be on um, cloud accounting solutions. I think they'll be connected very closely uh, with our um, tax or revenue offices um, and, and the data will feed into the revenue offices. I think we will have um, automated. And they're already uh, starting to do that, I think, in the UK, right? Yeah. With, um a new initiative. And they do that here in Australia with uh, payroll. You have to sort of click a button to say every payroll you process, you click a button to, to acknowledge that it's gone to the uh, tax office. So they are connecting. And I think that that will be very, uh, very much um, more connected than it is today. Um, <laughs> I have a hard time imagining uh, in the United States, the IRS having a direct connection to any accounting software. Uh, we, David and I were just talking uh, a couple months ago about uh, a new initiative. The IRS, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the Internal Revenue Service in the United States is still operating on uh, mainframe computers from like the 1960s. And they just got the budget to modernize after um, our um, the tax filing system went down on tax day oh. for an entire day. Oh, wow. Yeah, this past. Yeah, so... They're starting to basically the we, we have to move off of mainframe systems onto modern systems, but hopefully we'll you know we won't be too far behind you in Australia and in in the UK. Mm. Don't they see it as a way to um, gain extra revenue if they do adopt a modern system? Well, I think politically there's uh, <laughs> uh, a lot of politics involved in taxation here, but um, there, the idea is uh, to limit taxation by starving the Internal Revenue Service of the ability to collect revenue. Oh, okay. Yeah, That's... it's it's kind of crazy. It's a crazy concept, but uh, that is what some people in Congress are trying to do. Okay, okay, that, that is interesting. It, it is interesting, though, because, like, I find people um, – who are proud to pay tax because the tax contributes to the the, the uh, roads and the schools and the libraries, and so they're very happy to pay tax. And um, so, so I, I'm not going to jump in on the, the the argument whether we should pay tax or not. But I will say, what planet are you on? <laughs> yeah, this this is just sounds so strange to me right now. <laughs> to, to us I mean, in the states, exactly. <laughs> 
Oh. Okay. <laughs> I guess that's a whole other argument, but, uh, but you know, that, that's what pays for the infrastructure of our parks. I don't know how you get them paid for, oh. et cetera. You know, I, I'm not arguing with you. It's just hard to imagine anyone yeah. making that argument here. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. but I think one of the things people um, say to me is they're very stressed by what their tax bill will be. And so if they're connected right. and, and it's just being absorbed on a monthly basis, that's being built into their cash flow so they're dealing with it so so they actually the stress on that is a lot less it's being hit with um, once a year a massive sum of money that is very stressful so that's why I, yes. I, I do think the connection of cloud accounting to um, those big data sources but again okay so that's kind of slightly the the maybe the negative side of it, but I think the positive side will be um, a lot of trigger alerts so that you will be um, rounded up uh, in the industries that you're working in with KPI alerts saying the wages that you're currently paying based on your revenue are too high. You perhaps need to look at efficiencies in your business. And so um, you will go, okay, I've got this trigger. It's just being built in from the KPIs because I'm using um, the fathoms or the spotlights of this world, um, which are, are, are packages or, or some other trigger alerts, this solution. And I can bring someone in to address that issue um, and deal with that issue and get me in a better place. And I think we're going to have, because we really as small businesses struggle to get really good um, comparative metrics. There are some big mm -hmm. high level ones out there. But, mm -hmm. but I think by having cloud solutions, we've got the big data, um, we've got this integration, and we're going to be able to, at a certain blind level, be able to do a lot better comparisons. And if we're um, too high on our wages, are we making errors or do we need to review how we employ people or do we need to um, relook at our, sh our, our scheduling solutions? Because the payroll management solutions, which you, you probably have some similar over in uh, the US, um, can make a massive difference to your um, profitability um, because of the way they, they manage the staff and the way they highlight the costs that are involved there. So I think it will be leveraging big data to better manage your business um, and using comparative KPIs. So now that you've told us what's going to happen in the future for uh, cloud accounting, <laughs> what about Heather? What, what, what's next up on, on your plate? Um, good question. Good question. Um, probably I'm planning on probably doing, um, I'm doing a lot more podcasts. Um, I'd like to do sort of more education. I'm really into the education on the area and talking um, globally about the different solutions. And um, I think my goal, and I sat down and I actually talked to Wayne about this, was uh, to become a digital nomad and just travel um, anywhere and work from anywhere in the world. Um, he, he beat me to that um, slightly. But uh, um, I currently can work um, entirely from my handbag. My, everything I need fits in my handbag and I've been doing short travels um, to various destinations and continuing to work there. So by that I mean um, I can be anywhere in the world, my clients can be anywhere in the world because I'm a management accountant, I'm not a tax accountant, um, and, and the intersection is where my expertise can help them and I can just sort of jump online and help them with that. Um, but I, uh, I um, can help them that way, but also on the mass scale of education. So um, 
trying to do as many YouTube videos as I can do, um, trying to write as uh, much as I can write. And I was going to write, um, considering writing a book on uh, being a digital nomad accountant. Oh, and of course, I'm hoping to one day potentially write a fiction accounting book. <laughs> oh, <laughs> And what what what's what what would be the plot of that? Well, Blake, can you reveal would be it? This younger... Give us a preview. <laughs> I won't give you a preview, but I think there's a lot happening uh, in the industry that would would uh, make for interesting book and interesting storyline. Um, there's a lot of different personalities uh, happening in the industry um, and uh, rivalries. You know, so there's Ooh. so many lore. Um, TV shows and there's so many um, medical TV shows. I think it's about time we had a, an accounting one out there. Well, when they make the film out of the book, can you make sure that like somebody really attractive plays me if I'm in it? Uh, do you want was, just, was that just... Brad Pitt you wanted playing you? Or... <laughs> well, hopefully I'm not that okay. old by then. But um, yeah, yeah wh- whoever the 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 uh, star okay. is of the moment. Okay. Um, I'll definitely well, Heather. <laughs> On that note, um, we're about uh, out of time, and I just wanted to say for our listeners who are looking for another podcast, do check out Heather Smith's Cloud Stories podcast. Search for that. It is one of the top accounting podcasts you can listen to, uh, definitely in my top five. And Heather, where should people go if they want to connect with you online, find out more about what you're up to? Um, thank you for that, Blake. Um, I would encourage you to jump on and uh, subscribe to my newsletter. I try and put out a bi-monthly newsletter focused on education around cloud apps. And you can get that at Heather Smith Small Business forward slash dot uh, com forward slash newsletter. And uh, you can subscribe there. I'm on, I'm on Twitter at Heather Smith AU. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn um, and I, uh, I'm on Facebook at Heather Smith AU. Um, and I, I'm typically in a lot of the Facebook forums, so you can always say hi to me there. Um, but thank you very much. And David, if our listeners want to get in touch with you and suggest a story or ask to be on the podcast, where should they go? The easiest way is to use Twitter. I'm at David Leary. And if they want to get a hold of you, Blake? I'm at Blake T. Oliver. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Heather, thank you for being our guest. And David, I will talk to you soon. Thank you so very much. Bye, everybody. I used to work in uh, Singapore uh, in a construction company. And... uh, I, I was the auditor in the construction company, but um, most of the people in the office um, spoke Mandarin, so I really didn't understand them. Um, but but they spoke English as well, so when they spoke their English, I did understand what they were saying. And I was reviewing um, what was happening on site, and I didn't always – the communication, I didn't always understand what was happening. But someone came and asked me where um, the scrap metal um, income was and I and I was like, what scrap metal income? And they said the scrap metal income when 
the person, the purchasing officer, sells the scrap metal. Um, where is the income going? And I and I was looking and I couldn't work out where it was. And I asked around where it was and where I could see it on the profit and loss sheet. And I couldn't see it anywhere. And I asked everyone I could think of. And then they said, oh, you need to go and ask the purchasing guy because he on site gets the scrap metal and just sells it for cash to people coming by. And they buy off him for cash. And um, so I went along and I asked him and um, he suddenly couldn't speak English to me anymore um, but he kind of told me to go away and come back the next day. So the next morning I came in and I went up and I asked him the question again and he had one of those old-time desks which had one of those really massive deep drawers and he opened up the drawer and in it was scrumpled up pieces of notes um, of, of uh, currency. It was absolutely full <laughs> um so we had to take this this we had to take this drawer out and um they had to count the money and it was like over a hundred thousand dollars of cash in this drawer and the 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 um bookkeeper was so upset with me because every single piece was really dirty and she was like every single piece she'd count and she'd slap and she'd look at me with evil eyes as she had to straighten it out and count it all um yeah so that that was one of my uh, surprising accounting uncoveries um and uh, that got the uh, cash scrap metal income line added to the uh, profit and loss sheet <laughs> <laughs> 